The text that calls for our attention this Lord's Day is our Gospel reading for today, and especially these verses from Luke 24, beginning in verse 39. See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Imagine if you were convinced that one of your closest friends or family members, who had just died days ago, was now standing before you in a room where you were gathered with some friends. How would you reason what was occurring? Well, the apostles of our Lord had exactly that situation to ponder. They had watched as Jesus had been crucified. They knew that he had been placed in the tomb. They had even by now heard the report of the women that Jesus' body was no longer in the tomb and had even went and verified that fact themselves. But when Jesus showed up in that upper room, it doesn't seem there was much thought that it was even possible that the same body that they had seen hanging upon the cross and resting in the tomb could possibly be standing before them again, animated with life. After all, Jesus had appeared in a rather odd way. He just showed up in that room, going apparently right through the locked door. And that was not something that most men with flesh and bones could normally do. And so we are told that the disciples assumed that they were seeing a spirit. Or as the old King James put it, they figured they had seen a ghost. They were terrified at the thought that Jesus had returned as a spirit and was now in their presence. No doubt, part of that fear came from the fact that they knew that they had all denied Jesus in various ways at his greatest time of need. Surely they had to wonder if Jesus was there to haunt them with his presence. But Jesus quickly corrected such thoughts. He told them that he was there to bring them peace and not punishment. And he told them that they should focus their eyes on his hands and his feet, feet where they would see the marks of crucifixion. He told them they should stretch out their fingers and touch him. He assured them that he was not a spirit or a ghost, but instead that he was truly there in the flesh. To put it more specifically, he told them that he still had flesh and blood, just like them. And in order to assure them that he had been raised up bodily, he took that piece of broiled fish and ate it, just as he always had. You know, the most ancient creed of Christianity, the Apostles' Creed, calls all Christians to confess that we believe in the resurrection of the body. And yet many members of Christ's body believe that in eternity 
they will exist solely as a spirit. Perhaps we Christians have watched one too many movies that suggest that when people die, they become angels and forever float around on the clouds of heaven. Perhaps we've simply grown too weary of the troubles of our bodies and have grown to think that being rid of our body altogether would be the very definition of paradise. Or perhaps we've simply bought into an old idea that is always being made new in our culture that physical things like flesh are somehow intrinsically evil and that spiritual things are somehow intrinsically pure. Truthfully, when you think about your heavenly home, do you remember that you will have flesh and bones in that place? Or do you think you'll exist solely as a spirit? Of course, the Bible does talk about a time where the soul and the body are separated, that being the time of death. But this separation is not a doing away with of that old filthy body in order that the spirit might be freed forever of its corrupt cage. Now the body for that time rests in the grave and the soul is gathered to God and his people. But that is not the end of the story. No, God will raise up those bodies out of the grave and he will bring them back together with our souls. Just as Jesus was raised up flesh and bones, so too we will be raised up flesh and bones as well. We will live body and soul again. To be sure, the exact nature of that new body is something beyond our comprehension. It's not that God just raises up our corrupted old flesh and gives it back to us. No, instead, that body that is planted at the time of death will spring forward on that last day as a new and recreated type of flesh, and yet still flesh. Paul says what is sown in corruption on that day will be raised in incorruption, or incorruptible. What we will experience eternally in the new heaven and the new earth will be strangely familiar, and yet at the same time completely different. Strangely familiar in the sense that we will have flesh and bones along with our souls. Strangely familiar that the world that God describes in the book of Revelation has very familiar things in it like rivers and trees and fruit. Strangely familiar in the sense that the scriptures tell us that we will each have our own specific dwelling place there in the new heaven and the new earth. And yet, it'll be completely different. Completely different in the sense that the body will no longer waste away, neither will it be able to be ravaged by things like injury or illness. Completely different in the sense that the entire creation will be existing apart from death rather than constantly spiraling towards it. Completely different in the sense that our relationship with God and with each other will not suffer any of the usual destructive impacts of sin. Yes, it will be just like Jesus in that upper room, 
for he too was strangely familiar in that sense that he still had flesh and bones, that he still had the marks of his crucifixion, that he still ate that fish like a normal person, and yet completely different, that he could enter into a room without opening a door, that the marks of his crucifixion were no longer a sign of defeat, but rather a banner of his victory, and that he would never die again. So why does all of this matter? Why do we care to make sure that we confess the resurrection of the body? Well, first and foremost, it matters simply because God has revealed it as something that is true. And when he does so, we should always confess it exactly as we have received it. We should not allow Hollywood to tell us what heaven is like when God has already done so. If he tells us that we will have a share in the resurrection of the body, precisely because we are connected to Jesus who was raised up bodily, well then we should know that and we should speak it as well. But it's important for all sorts of other reasons as well. For you see, resurrection language is very important to how we think about so many things, even in our modern world. For rejection of the bodily resurrection, and with it, the rejection of the importance of all created manner, causes all sorts of confusion, even in our day. For if we truly believe that all creation and matter is just something we're looking to escape, then why would we care who created it? Or why would we care about taking care of it as God has given us to do? If we come to believe that creation and all matter is just something that constrains us until we die, well then how could we stand against someone who wishes to mutilate their own body in an attempt to become a gender other than what their body parts dictate? If the condition of the spirit is more important than physical realities, well then how could we ever exhort a distraught woman to honor and to cherish that lump of cells growing in her belly? You see, when we de-emphasize the importance of the body, we are often tempted to do all sorts of harm to the body. We're tempted to abuse our bodies in the search of pleasure, whether that be by what we taste or what we touch. We are tempted to overlook the physical needs of our neighbors because we tell ourselves that they only need spiritual care. And in the worst cases, we can even justify physical violence against someone who frustrates our spirit. Oh yes, we can all be tempted to think at times that the body and the other matter on this earth is just not as inherently important or pure as the spiritual things that we experience. But today, contemplation upon Jesus corrects all of those thoughts. For you see, Jesus was indeed spirit in the beginning, for God is spirit. But he thought so much about the flesh that he took on flesh in order to save us. Yes, he took on flesh in the manger. Then he lived with that flesh for 30-some years. But then his flesh hung on the cross, rested in the tomb, and was raised up on the third day. 
So put away those false thoughts you might have learned. Lay them in confession at the cross where Jesus in the flesh hung for your salvation. For after all, today again Jesus comes to bring you salvation. And do you know how he will do it? Well, he will do it in the flesh. In his body and in his blood. Under bread and wine. You see, if Jesus was not raised up bodily... He cannot offer us today his body in this meal. If indeed the bones that he spoke about did not in their marrow start to produce blood again when he was raised up, he cannot offer us his blood in this meal. Yes, the Jesus that comes to us today is the living and resurrected Jesus. Resurrected not just in some spiritual sense, but in every real and physical sense. Does that not convince you that God values the body and the rest of his creation? Does that not convince you that he cares enough about it, that his solution when everything was ruined through sin was not simply to rid the world of matter and flesh, but rather to redeem it through the flesh and bones of his beloved Son? Today we confess three truths that give us reason for much joy. First, Jesus is raised up bodily. Alleluia. Secondly, he comes to us today bodily. Alleluia. And lastly, because of all that, we shall be raised up on the last day bodily. Alleluia and amen.